0: everyone and thank you for tuning in clicking on and listening to the Stu Simpson show podcast this season of the show we are talking all about spirituality if you are a regular listener you might have an inkling that I'm on a bit of my own spiritual journey being brought to catholic losing my faith in that church feeling like I was agnostic and atheist followed up by a bit of buddhism and I have read some moonstones etc etc kind of a smorgasbord of spiritual pursuits the latest thing which has re-emerged is the possibility of a pilgrimage which I covered in last week's episode But as part of my recovery to whoever it is that I am, I went seeking answers and some peace. I found this by reading Russell Brand's book, Recovery, and following a video about Transcendental Meditation, which eventually led me to today's guest, my TM teacher himself, Mr. Ian Docker. Hello, Ian. It's been a while. How are you?
1: i'm fine Stu. it's great to just to, to see you again yeah
0: it's been a long time so what have you been up to
1: recently um yeah during lockdown i've been looking after my brother and my mother uh-huh. <laughs> I can't the full time
0: yes that's when we were spending a lot of, lot of time together but um, every day at six o'clock we were with, um every single day wasn't it or quite regularly
1: that's right yeah it was interesting um you know people that practice transcendental meditation um for individual benefits when you do it together in a group um the the experience seems to be richer and deeper and there seems to be according to peer-reviewed scientific data there appears to be an effect on society as well which is quite interesting so um you know during lockdown like what you (laughs) did quite a lot of people started joining together on zoom and now there's thousands uh, every day doing it but before uh, we get um,
0: into that just yeah. tell me a little bit about yourself and um, before because we, okay. we've mentioned tm a lot and some people won't go up at home might be going what on earth is he talking about trademark
1: <laughs> so right. um, tell us
0: a little bit about you before we delve into what tm actually is
1: I learned Transcendental Meditation or TM uh, when I was uh, studying art uh, when I was a teenager. You know, there seemed to be something missing from life, you know, from education, uh, from religion, just from life in general, there seemed to be something missing. And I, I'd been kind of looking at different things. And my mother's a yoga teacher, so I'd looked a bit into yoga. But then when I heard about transcendental meditation, I think the, the poster said something of eternal benefit. I went along to the talk and one of the things that fascinated, well, interested me was um, they said that everything in the outer ever-changing field of life is always, everything is changing. And there is no, you could say, lasting happiness in the outer field of life, which I thought was an interesting, mm. you know, when you thought about it, it said it was true actually. They describe this state of the mind when it becomes restfully alert. In other words, when the activity in the mind settles down, there's that increased sense of well-being until it gets to a point where the mind is just completely settled but fully awake, fully alert. And they said that that state of consciousness is uh, a state of permanent happiness. Uh, You could say like a state of complete well-being. The logic was if you can have that access to that level of the mind or level of consciousness, uh, you can have that inner happiness with you effectively all the time throughout the thick and thin of whatever happens in life. Life is always you know up and down. Uh, but there is that inner field of a restfully alert state of complete well-being. It interested me, but it didn't convince me. I yeah, <laughs> yeah there was a course fee to pay and um I was a student and uh, I think it was 10 pounds and I thought well that's a lot of yeah. money to pay. And it wasn't this thought of this, uh, this state of consciousness or the state of awareness that sounded very tempting. I probably didn't believe that that was possible. And they also talked about being an artist. I was interested in creativity. And they said that this state of restful alertness is is a great source of creativity. When the mind is more settled and alert, the creativity flows more. So that interested me as well. But I think what uh, caused me to part with the 10 pounds was the scientific research. There was a kind of a boring section of the talk where they went through all the scientific research showing that this experience of restful alertness was something very real that the stress levels went down mm-hmm. the happiness the well-being biochemicals increased the brain became more coherent uh, there was an increase of alpha one which is like restful alertness how the amygdala is shown to calm down the amygdala is what causes anxiety and and that sort of fight or flight response uh, and how the prefrontal cortex uh, becomes more enlivened. And the prefrontal cortex is like the CEO of the brain. Uh, if If your frontal cortex is engaged, you have more impulse control and that sounded very interesting, but then they went into all the benefits to health, Hmm. how this experience, this experience, this restfully alert state of complete well-being, experiencing that regularly twice a day, stress levels go down, uh, one's got more resilience to stress, uh, heart uh, problems become less, even, you know, our High blood pressure. Transcendental yeah. meditation is the only meditation technique which has been clinically proven to lower blood pressure. Just um, to find
0: out what. A, yeah, for, for me personally, about the prefrontal cortex, because I've only recently found out about my ADHD, and apparently that's to do with my prefrontal cortex not being fully developed. So it right. doesn't make up doesn't make enough uh, dopamine. Um, uh-huh. So. It's, and it's interesting since doing TM, since you taught me TM, and I do it regular twice a day, that uh, my ADHD is a lot easier to manage than it ever has been. So it'd oh, be, it be in, really interesting to see what happens inside there, the prefrontal cortex bit. But you also mentioned earlier that um, you were looking for something that religion wasn't providing for you. Does TM provide something? Or you do? Do you have a religious background as well?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm a member of the Church of England. Uh, from a young age, um, I used to pray. I mean, when I was eight, it was the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> Started praying for world peace, you know, because yeah. it uh, was definitely needed. Uh, but when I prayed, there was a kind of a sense of knowingness that you were connecting with what you understood to be God. So I, from a young age, uh, I had that realization, I suppose, that the divine or God was uh, uh, experienced within me. And um, I remember at school, they came around and uh, wanted me to get confirmed. And I ended up getting an argument with them because um, they were saying that Jesus was the only way to God. And I said, well, you know, I think God's within everyone. Mm-hmm. And if you uh if you were born in South America in the jungle and you hadn't heard of Jesus Christ, I'm sure there would they had other techniques and ways yeah. of communion, yeah, communion with God. And they said, no, no, the only way, <laughs> only way only way to God is through Jesus. So I, I thought it wasn't really for me, but it wasn't that I stopped believing in Jesus or God it's just that the formal religion didn't seem to me to be you know sometimes like we were at school we used to do the prayers every yeah. every morning and you'd be sitting kind of talk, talking under the pews to you to your friends or passing messages because they were so so boring and they didn't re- really seem to be connecting with the divine yeah. whereas when I pre- meditate when I you know, prayed myself, it was a personal connection. Ironically, uh, after practicing TM for many years, I was going to a church regularly uh, because I enjoyed going there and uh, the service and all that. And it was an old retired vicar and he he asked me why I hadn't got confirmed. And I said, well, there's quite a lot of things about, you know, the Christianity that, I couldn't quite get my head around or couldn't really feel comfortable with. He said something quite interesting. He said, don't miss the wood for the trees. And I think what he meant by that is, you know, everybody that's going to church is ultimately, well, they're going for all sorts of reasons, yeah. but ultimately they're going to worship God, uh, give thanks to God and and all that. And maybe they have different understandings and beliefs uh, themselves, but everybody's going for that reason. So it kind of inspired me to get confirmed and he did my confirmation thing. And knowing that I was not only practicing transcendental meditation, but I was was a teacher of TM. I was working in the TM organization and we went through the thing and I got uh, confirmed it makes so much more sense based on you could say the development of the experience or development of consciousness that i've uh, experienced through tm Uh, recently i found a professor who's wrote a book called the enlightened jesus okay and he reveals from the scriptures uh, that christ was actually teaching techniques techniques to develop consciousness You know, there is those sayings in the Bible, you know, Jesus saying that the kingdom of heaven is within you and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all else will be added unto you. And the word righteousness is kind of a a bit of a funny word, you know, but when you think about it, I read in the Bible um, that thing that uh, the will of God is inscribed in your heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, meaning that my understanding of that is that, you know, the seat of consciousness is the heart. So it's rather like those, those laws of nature. And we know that, you know, we know from science, there are laws of nature, which are governing life throughout the universe, you know, the, the whole physiology, there's so much intelligence administering the trillions of cells in the body. when when you, you, you settle down during meditation to that restfully alert state of complete well-being, it seems to be what Christ was talking about, the kingdom of heaven within. Yeah. And that level of restful alertness, you're more in tune with yourself, more in tune with the laws of nature, more in tune with the will of God. And there is a section where Christ says, um, you know, what is it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all else Mm -hmm. will be added unto you. And I mean, that's really my experience of TM, but uh, you have this experience morning and evening, Mm -hmm. and everything gets better. Mental, physical, social, spiritual, economic well-being increases.
0: I've found that with my TM practice, that it has brought me back to a state that prayer and well, not, not just prayer, but time that I spent in church, not necessarily in mass, but time that I spent sort of almost in a meditative state that I didn't really know about when I was a child. Um, It's kind of brought me back into the, that same sort of communication with something other than uh, than something which is more than words, something which is a feeling more than in, in, yeah. in that, that um, restfulness in uh, something which I, I found really difficult to to cop And and I lost when I lost my faith. But TM's kind of brought me back to that space, which which I lost. I heard one theory that Jesus somehow spent some time in India and that he might have brought back some of those teachings with him from India. Is it true that um, TM's a Vedic tradition? And, and, does, and does Vedism uh, stem from Hinduism?
1: It's a very interesting question that, um, personally, I've never really been interested in Hinduism, the religion. Um, But the Vedic knowledge, uh, it's in the, in this Professor Chandler's research, he shares in the Vedic, a lot of the Christian texts, these examples of how Christ taught, uh, what was called the mystery, teachings okay. They call them the mystery teachings. In other words, you had to be, you could say, personally taught. There was secret knowledge. Uh, these techniques were, were secret and they had to be passed on uh, from one person, you know, the teacher to the student. And the Vedic uh, tradition of knowledge is a tradition. It's really a science of consciousness where there is the theory but there are these techniques and the vedic t- tradition is an unbroken line where the teacher passes this knowledge on to the student so tm comes from that tradition but as you mentioned you know a lot of people think oh well you know, it's a kind of hindu thing and you know as a christian you shouldn't be practicing yeah. hinduism but you know that point you make that uh, there is a lot of speculation of, you know, whether Christ spent time in India or studied Buddhism or or whatever, Um, who knows? And um, what I know is, I know when I learned Transcendental Meditation, my TM teacher was a Christian and the leader of the TM organization at the time was a Christian, and there was never any question. They never really talked about religion, you know, he said we could be whatever religion you, you wanted to TM is not about beliefs or changing one's way of life it's a technique um, and yeah. for the scientifically validated benefits but what i noticed uh within a few days once i was experiencing that restfully alert state of complete well-being i felt so much closer to god hmm. so you know tm is not a religion uh, it's not a religious technique. It's not a technique of prayer. It's a technique of consciousness, yeah. and it comes from this tradition, this Vedic tradition, which is really a science and technology of consciousness.
0: It's, yeah, it's interesting because we find, for want of a better terminology, God in, in so many places, and I think a lot of sometimes those signs and even which of words like God can can put people off what I like about TM from the place where I came to it from was the science based around it. Um, and that was explained to me scientifically from yourself. Um, so let's talk about the science bit and delve a bit deeper. So how does scientifically, how does transcendental meditation work? Uh,
1: it's a very good question. Uh, I, I think you, were, you were practicing uh, other techniques yeah. before learning TM. And I think one of the things you found was how simple and easy, it is to do and how it it more or less just seems to go by itself you know there isn't you don't have to do this you don't have to do that you just sit down and once you've learned the technique it just more or less goes by itself and the research the scientific research shows that TM is actually unique that something unique is happening they say it's uh, what's it called the default mechanism of the brain you know it's like once you've learned it, it's rather like, it's, it's, it's not like you're imposing something onto the mind. It's almost a bit like, you know, you'd forgotten how to go to sleep. Mm. And uh, somebody comes along and says, well, actually, this is, this is the technique. I'll, I'll give you the technique. And then you'll be able to experience this thing called sleep. And TM is in some sense similar to falling asleep because the level of rest that you gain during TM, you know, scientifically, is shown to be deeper than during deep sleep. In fact, when the mind transcends thought, the breathing actually stops. I think it can show that. Um, but at the same time, as well as getting this very deep state of rest, you are becoming more awake, more, alert you could say the conscious capacity of the mind is expanding you're accessing more of your inner potential so it's like falling asleep and falling awake at the same time now how that works is based on the natural tendency of life or the natural tendency of the mind the natural tendency of life is that we all want we're all moving towards more and more. It's called evolution. You know, we're we're moving towards more and more. Nobody wants less and less. Nobody wants to be more and more miserable. Uh, Everybody would like to be more and more happy. And this is the, the experience that everybody, every single person has, that when you allow the activity of the mind, allow the mind to do whatever it wants to do, it will naturally move towards more happiness and it effortlessly shifts from one activity to another it's rather like we're we're sitting talking if your favorite piece of music comes on in the background you'll find it very hard to concentrate on what i'm saying because your attention just effortlessly shifts to that more enjoyable activity now what is the reality is that when the activity of the mind settles down, when one moves to finer and finer levels of the thinking process, there is more expansion of awareness, there's more inner freedom, there's more inner happiness, there's a greater sense of well-being, there's more awareness, more knowingness, more intuition, there's just more and more of life. Mm. And So once you have the technique, it just allows the mind to effortlessly and the mind wants to go to that restfully alert state of complete well-being. It's like as if it's going
0: home. Can we talk about the technique? Yeah. yeah. How do we get to the technique?
1: Yeah, um, basically, as with the the mystery teachings, you have to be taught on a one-to-one basis. And... The reason for that is everybody is different. and there are two things you basically need to be learn, need to learn, and to have this technique of transcending, of naturally transcending and effortlessly transcending. And that is a sound uh, which has no meaning. It's called a mantra, but there's a lot of misunderstandings about mantras. Uh, It's not something you sit and chant or or that sort of thing. It's a sound, and sound has an effect. Different sounds have different effects. So, one of the things uh, you'll get, you're learning when you learn transcendental meditation is you'll be given, you're being selected a sound from the Vedic tradition. that is suitable for you as an individual. And it's very important because sound has an effect on a surface level, but what's actually happening is you're taking that sound or that thought even of that sound and you're experiencing, you're being shown how to effortlessly experience that sound at finer and finer levels until the mind transcends thought. So when you're experiencing finer and finer levels of of thought, you're experiencing finer and finer levels of consciousness. And consciousness like physical matter is more powerful at these deeper levels. So one of the reasons for having uh, a mantra selected by a qualified teacher Uh, trained by Maharishi and approved by the organization that Maharishi set up. It's called Maharishi Foundation. If you learn Transcendental Meditation, make sure that your teacher is a, a properly qualified and approved Maharishi Foundation teacher. And then you're guaranteed to have that correct sound. And then the instructions, the instructions of how to use that sound to transcend, they have to be given on an individual basis, because everybody has their own pace of learning. You give the technique, uh, somebody has an experience, based on that experience, you give the next experience. So in a few minutes, one is transcending. And it's an amazing experience, you know, something that, that you kind of a lot of people just think, wow, I never knew that was there. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: Um, and, yeah. and you mentioned um, Mareshi, it's very important. Uh, who is Mareshi?
1: Yeah, um, Mareshi Mahesh Yogi was a physicist uh, who became very interested in consciousness, you know, like Einstein became interested in as deeper levels of nature. Uh, Einstein spent the last 30 years of his life uh, trying to bring this underlying field of reality, which he described, he had experiences of transcending, and he he described them as a state of being beyond space-time boundaries. So Einstein recognized that consciousness was basically primary. And he was trying to bring that into the field of physics as what what he called unified field theory. Mm -hmm. So Maharishi studied physics and then he was very interested in consciousness. And he met a great saint called Swami Brahmananda and spent 13 years studying and and working very closely with him. And it was Brahmananda Saraswati that um, asked him to, to bring this knowledge out. To the whole world and that's what marshy did
0: and for any star wars fans out there i believe that the character of yoda is slightly based on Mahareshi. is that right
1: i don't know but uh i do know that uh what was it was the guy's name that was it wasn't spielberg it was the other one what was he? Um, george lucas george lucas he practices transcendental meditation yeah. and he'd studied what Mareshi brought out and called the, it was like a science of consciousness called the science of creative intelligence. Mm. So a lot of his ideas for the Star Wars movies came from that knowledge Absolutely. of consciousness.
0: And if you listen to any recordings of Maharishi, I think you'll find that his voice is very similar to Yoda's. It was an observation which I just made a little while ago. He's got an amazing voice. So anybody out there, just go on, go on YouTube and uh, and go and look for him, Maharishi Mahesh. Is that right? Mahesh, how do you say his name?
1: Marshi, mahashyogi um, you know the Beatles uh, learned transcendental meditation from Marshshi, mm. and one of the things they said was marshi's laugh. you know he they liked him because he 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 was very jovial and yeah. took things lightly and saw the the amusing side of life
0: yeah, he's he's quite a fun a fun character. Uh, so we've talked about some of the individual benefits. I mean, it has, for me personally, I can say it has actually changed my life. Um, I was going through quite a lot of depression. I've got ADHD and it's helped with my Tourette's syndrome uh, as well as a number of different things, which I do. Um, So it's been, it's, uh, um, I feel like a debt to TM Um, and it's done wonderful things. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk and to tell people it's it's great benefits. Are there only... Other than just the individual, are there also benefits for the wider community?
1: It's one of the things that uh, that fascinated me about TM was that um, this, you could say, restfully alert state of complete well-being that you access during TM, it's, it's a field. It's, it's like the awareness becomes unbounded you experience this, it's like total freedom. It's, it's a, an unbounded source. You could say it's that underlying field of intelligence, uh, whether you call it the laws of nature, uh, nature's intelligence and organizing power, whether you call it divine intelligence, you know, but it, it is a field. And when you experience that, uh, enliven that, you're enlivening it, you could say, for everybody as well. And there was some research came out in, uh, I think it was 1975 or 74, which showed that if you had about 1% or more of the population practicing transcendental meditation, just for the benefits, you know, the individual benefits, and people didn't even need to know about this effect on society, but, things like crime rate, hospital admissions, traffic accidents would go down, which is, you know, a lot of people think, well, that's, that sounds a bit nuts. You don't, don't believe that. And I don't think I could believe that. And the thing is, the great thing with TN is you don't have to believe those things. It's not a belief thing. It's a technique of direct experience. Rather, like I said, it's like, you want to go to sleep, here's a technique, uh, that gives you that experience in consciousness. this is like restful alertness you're having that experience and there's so many benefits individually. but one of the very exciting things, especially you know with this Ukraine crisis, is there is really and it's been scientifically proven you know it's irrefutable data uh, that it really works. you may not agree with the theory that people transcending, experiencing that underlying field are affecting other people. It's rather like in, you could say, the theory of consciousness, um, it's rather like life is like an ocean and at the depths of the ocean, it's unified, but on the surface, it's very diversified. You know, you have all these individual waves, and you're caught up on the surface, as we all are. And everything is very different. Um, There's all sorts of conflicts and whatever. And what we're seeing is physical objects separated by empty space. Yeah, That's people's view of reality. Whereas we know from physics, from quantum field theory, quantum mechanics, um, unified field theory, uh, and and scientific, you know, actually not just theory, but actual experiments, that everything is basically fundamental force fields interacting. Uh, you know, Einstein made that point that physical matter is can either be seen as frozen energy or vibrating energy. So you're looking out onto the world, what you're seeing appears to be solid objects that are separated. But in actual fact, everything is connected at a deeper level. Uh, There's a little project that you know about, which was done in the US. Um, There was a a very good man, Howard Settle. He put some money in to enable uh, people to do this as a profession. For around about seven years, he was funding people. He's putting about a million dollars a month in. And for the first four years, they had an average of 1,792 people every day. Um, That was the average over four years. And that was eight to 10 hours a day of enlivening this underlying field. What is quite interesting is there's been five peer-reviewed studies uh, on the data uh showing what actually happened in the us it's just a population of about 300 million so you've got a very small number of people 1792 and the question is could they actually reduce stress societal stress in the us and i think people recognize that if you're under stress or if there's a very high level of societal stress it fuels Ill health and social violence. If you say, okay, well, that's the theory, and and a lot of people agree with that theory, they maybe don't understand how to reduce societal stress, but they'll agree with you. Yes, you know, the NHS is under incredible pressure, unprecedented pressure, because there's such a high level of stress in society. And if you look at it, if you say, take social violence, you take murder murder is the hard figure to move so let's take murder rate. what happened to murder rate during the first four years of this you could say demonstration project where you've got that number of people 1792 sitting in a dome or two domes in iowa you know meditating or doing yogic flying creating this effect um uh, what actually happened and The data which was published by Sage, which is one of the leading, well, I think it's the leading publisher, the biggest publisher of peer-reviewed scientific research, shows that murder rate went down by 5%, around about 5% per year for four years in a row. But to go continuously down for 5% per year for four years is unprecedented. It was the most dramatic fall in murder rate within 40 years right in the middle of those four years was the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression you know the financial crash yeah and when there's a an economic downturn people lose their houses lose their jobs stress societal stress goes up and as a result it's happened every time since the, the Second World War at least every time there's been a major economic downturn, murder rate goes up, assaults go up, whereas right in the middle of this, you've got the most dramatic fall in murder rate within 40 years. And, you know, experts have said that, um, you know, this is the first time that um, murder rate has actually gone down. Uh, So nobody really understands uh, why that is. And when the project unfortunately came to an end because you could say the money ran out and uh, the money stopped and then the people had to go and get a real job as it were there was the most dramatic increase in murder rate in 25 years in within eight within two years it had gone back up 18.5 wow. percent so for those first four years uh the peer-reviewed research shows eight thousand one hundred and 57 people were not murdered, that would normally have been murdered. And if you take the cost of crime figures from the government, the UK government, the the US government, it's around about 3.2 million per murder. So if you take the number of people that created the effect, the amount of murders they prevented, and the number of hours that you could say they were working Uh, they were each worth at least a thousand pounds an hour. Yes, high levels of stress fuel increased prescriptions of antidepressants, Mm -hmm. uh, anti-anxiety drugs, opioid painkillers, and it's a massive project. Uh, And they came from all over the world. People would, um, you know, to get that number of people They weren't being paid a proper salary, they were just being subsidised and people would pay sometimes themselves to cover their costs. Uh, So it was a massive project to attract people to come and maybe they'd come for a few months and then they'd have to go back to their families and their real jobs
0: as it were. Yeah. Because, because i was going to say if it was just people from the surrounding area then that could that would explain why a lot of those murder rates went down and all the crime rates went down because they were there meditating <laughs> but obviously yeah, I mean, you could say that
1: but, it, <laughs> but it's very interesting yeah. when you have when you have peer-reviewed yeah uh, research published in leading academic journals what it means <coughs> is independent scientists professors look at all that data, and they say, well, have they considered this? Have they considered that? You know, for example, in the winter, murder rate goes down. And um, they concluded the possibility of it being a coincidence was, I think, 2.1 chances in 10,000, million, million, which is basically, it's pretty strong. Absolutely.
0: And it, it, it makes me think that it's in the government's interest to keep people... In fear financially. It's in, in the government's, in all of the government's interests to keep people um, in pain and in need of medical assistance to deal with the stress because that makes those systems more money. Um, so I think we're fighting a big and long fight. So that's probably why those, so that thing didn't get shut down and just ran out of money. But if it was in the interest of the government and the people, um, that the government su- governments are supposedly supporting, then we will be putting all, the, all of our hard earned tax money into something that, which is actually going to help society. Um, if the governments aren't going to be supporting this, how can people do it themselves without the support of their government? Yeah,
1: it's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to the, what's called Cumbria Health and Wellbeing Board meetings which is all the NHS from Cumbria leaders and they're talking about you know what they're doing and they are really have been under you know real crisis they've been doing everything they can but they admit it's clearly not enough you know, they, they're looking for something more and they're asking people to provide solutions so the leader of um, uh, the health and well-being um, Board uh, Councillor Stuart Young, asked Colin Cox, the Director of Public Health, to contact me and to see what solution we had. He's been very busy, but he's um, got the scientific research and he told me he was going to be studying that in the new year, and then he wants to meet with me about it. <coughs> so, that is something I think that um, we have, that if you reduce societal stress, you take pressure off the NHS. And what's even more interesting, you reduce societal stress, you're improving everyone's health and well-being. And one of the things they said is that um, unless the NHS can find a way to improve, you know everyone's health and well-being. The NHS is not sustainable, so we have something very real here. And um, the last meeting I was at, I was sitting next to the lady who um, is the CEO for the region, the North of England region. Uh, I think it's called CIB board or something, Integrated Care. Anyway, she's in charge of uh, a billion. Pounds NHS funding uh, for 3.2 million people. So I'm hoping to get a meeting with her and to present the data, yeah. not so much talking about transcendental meditation and the theory, but actually showing her the data that sh- very real, concrete, that we really can reduce societal stress. And on the Ukraine issue, yeah. uh, it's quite interesting that. The organization, the TM organization, was speaking to the the president of Ukraine. And he already has people in the military practicing transcendental meditation. And he was interested in a project to create a group in the Ukraine. But since the invasion of (coughs) Russia, he's obviously been very busy with that. But he is, you know, was open to that. Mm. It's a challenge to get government funding, but we have uh, a lot of people in Russia and Ukraine that are trained in these techniques and they've been volunteering to come together in groups to uh, intensify this effect and money has been raised. The TM organization put $150,000 into a project uh, and have raised an additional uh 150,000 on a gofundme platform to support uh people practicing these techniques for at least a couple of months so currently they have people from russia and ukraine have come together and they're in a safe area of um ukraine about 100 of them but we really need about 2000 if we had 2000 if we had the money to support 2000, you'd literally switch that conflict off. Literally the data, the research data we have would show that you could immediately switch that off. And and that's what people need to be made aware of that the real data is there. You know, there's a a TM teacher, two TM teachers wrote a book called An Antidote to Violence. And what they do is they just analyse the evidence. You know, one has a PhD, one has an MA from Oxford. They're intelligent people, and they looked at the data, and looked at all the scientific studies, and put the data into bite-sized pieces that you know, the layman, the scientist, the the politician, can understand the research. And it's just really presenting the evidence. Mm-hmm and people that have read that book say it's incredible you know that this this is perhaps the greatest discovery of our time and can
0: you remember the name of the book
1: yeah an antidote to violence and there's a website so you just go mm-hmm. on and look at google an antidote to violence
0: that's excellent so if people and we, home- we've got okay. a sorry go on. yeah no no carry on carry on
1: we've, we've i've my main focus to establish this profession I have a website called enjoyglobalwellbeing.com. And what we're doing with that website, it's just kind of building it up just now, uh, is we're aiming to raise money to employ people to be what we're calling global well-being professionals. That their job is to create this effect, to reduce societal stress. Now, from the research data, if we had Say 40,000. The evidence is there that we could immediately reduce global social violence by about 20%. Now, if we reduce global social violence by 20%, according to the Institute of Economics and Peace, that would save about, well, more than two trillion pounds per year. Really, what we want to do is just educate people, let people know you may not believe it works you may not understand how it works but you don't need to believe in it <laughs> it's a simple solution you know just make everybody happy dissolve the stress calm everybody down and let's have a good time let's have a you know better quality of life in the world
0: i think that's a lovely lovely way to end the podcast let's let's have a good time
1: <laughs> marchi said something uh, which i'd like to finish with he said life is bliss that that inner field of life that restfully alert state of complete well-being is bliss and uh, he said he wanted to fill the world with love and create heaven on earth He wanted to rid the world of suffering maybe it sounds a bit much for people but um, have a look at the evidence
0: yeah. uh, on the, on the stu simpson show we're not here to judge we're here to just give the information to people and they can listen and take what they want from it. And, and it's been lovely. Thank you. Emma. It's lovely to see you again. And thank you for, for all the information. And if people want to find out personally for themselves and about what they can do and how they can get involved in TM and if they want to learn it for themselves, where would they get in touch with you?
1: Well, they can get in touch with me at enjoy com. Uh, they can go there uh, if they specifically want to learn transcendental meditation, they should go to uh, uk.tm.org which is a website specifically for marashi Foundation which is the organization which teaches transcendental meditation and there are teachers all over the country and <laughs> and you can you can get uh, with zoom you can get a like what they call an introductory talk uh, so you can get all the information you need and even have a, a one-to-one chat with a TM teacher to ask any personal questions or understand how you can personally benefit from it.
0: Thank you ever so much and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get to meditate together again at some point very soon, I hope.
1: Well, I think that's very important. We we have people from Ukraine joining our, you know, online global meditation oh, yeah. And they feel they're able to do something to help their country. Mm. And it's a very real situation. Every day, morning and evening, there are thousands of people uh, throughout the world joining together and enlivening this field of global well being.
0: That's excellent. Thank you very much. And uh, namaste and God bless, I suppose. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks very much, Stu, for giving me the chance to sort of absolute rattle absolute on a pleasure. bit.
0: A, my pleasure.
1: Hopefully it makes a little bit of sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Take care. of love. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.